Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on SportsNet. I'm not either fan. I'm your host, Wendy Lou, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors. Find new ways to embarrass themselves. I mean, um, I, I keep wanting to say that this is the worst loss of the year, but this has to be the worst loss of the year. I mean, it's it's... I think it's one of those things where the circumstances... Um, are really factoring in this one. And not even just circumstances. The reality is the situation. This is a Minnesota Timberwolves team that's without Rudy Gobert, without Carnty Towns, without several other rotation players. They're playing their third stringers. They're playing a lot of guys you never even heard of before, honestly. Like, I'm not sure how deep of an NBA fan you got to be to know some of these guys. You know, um, Luca Garza, who had a great college career and, and now is a, suddenly a pick-and-pop three-point shooter, or Nathan Knight. Genuinely didn't know Nathan Knight was a character. I thought that was thought that's a One Tree Hill character. But, um, yeah, the circumstances factor in this one, you know, the, the, the fact that the Timberwolves just coming back, second half of back-to-back, having played in Denver, played in altitude, having lost that game, a narrow game, and then you come into this game and you lose in this fashion, I mean... So Minnesota had the lead in the first quarter. I think it was 1918, uh, midway through the first quarter. And then they were down the entire time until Kyle Anderson, Chinese excellence right there. Happy Lunar New Year to you, Kyle Anderson. Um, rolled down the lane for floater to put the Timberwolves up two with one minute and 30 seconds left in the game. I mean, it, it's, I wouldn't even call it shameful. It's just like so predictable at this point. Like the Raptors just came out determined to play no defense at all and it was okay because their offense was humming but then their offense just completely died midway through the fourth quarter and the Raptors lose this game I mean again it is just the worst game of the year for the Raptors who at this point it's very clear it's very very clear it's very very clear okay this team is this, this team's done this team is just actually done I see a lot of, you know, it's, it's really funny because I think there's somebody on, on the timeline that keeps responding to me like, hey, man, this got to be the nail in the coffin. I'm like, yo, how many nails does this coffin need? <laughs> like, it's like, what more do you need to see from this team? How many different ways do you want to see them lose? Right. In this game, there's no reason why they should have lost. Even circumstantially, there's no reason you should have lost. The Raptors shot 53% from the field. They shot 50% from three. They made half their threes in this game. And they still lost. They're on the road. They're pretty much fully healthy. They're throwing out 10-day contracts in Joe Wieskamp, who, by the way, if you want positives, wait until the 30-minute mark when Joe Wieskamp's name comes up again because he was knocking down threes. But, I mean, <laughs> you got you got three threes out of your 10-day contract on the road with your fully healthy roster, and you still lose this game. How is that possible? Like, genuinely, how is that possible? You know what I mean? And when you when you think about it, it, it's it's one of those games that like, man, like you have to try hard to lose this game. Like you actually have to hustle backwards to get to this result that the Raptors ultimately went on. Like, yeah, sure. Did the Timberwolves make some threes at the end? Like, yeah, Anthony Edwards pull up for three. Guess what? That's what real talent looks like. Guys should just come down the floor and pull up with the confidence to then guard the opposing best player and then go at him. And then, you know, on offense as well. Like, that's what elite talent looks like. Anthony Edwards was questionable for this game. Didn't play well for the majority of it. But ends up winning this game for the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know what? D'Angelo Russell, who's not even that good of a player, I feel like. Comes out and it rattles off four straight threes in the fourth quarter there. And, and really sort of pushes them back ahead. I mean, again, like, 
you'd have to find ways to lose in this game. You really do. You you really did. And I think for me, it's the big takeaway is just look. You know what team's giving up. Not necessarily if they, if they stop scoring because everyone wants to score to get their their stats to get to the next contract and all that stuff. You know if a team's really wants to win if they play defense. Like fundamentally, if you want to win a game, you got to play defense. This is true about any single sport that I can really even think of. I'm sure even in curling, you got to play defense. Raptors played no defense. Like this game, last game, every game. Like it's man, this is tough. 128 to, to again. Look at some of the guys coming off this bench. You got Matt Ryan, Ryan, you know, ding dong, <laughs> your DoorDash is here. Like Nathan Knight, who is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these guys just coming off the bench are just hitting the Raptors and torching them. And meanwhile, look, I, I mean, I suppose the Raptors just thought if we if we just keep doing our thing and score 140, we, we walk away with this win and people forget about this game in Minnesota. But no, that's not how this works. The Raptors don't have scores like that. If any team tries to lock in defensively, they're going to really – be able to stop the Raptors' scores. Like, no offense, but no one on the Raptors is that talented of a score. Even Pascal, who looks super gassed, who was did very little at the end of the game in a positive sense. You know, like, nobody on the team has that kind of scoring. So at some point, the Raptors are going to have to play some defense because you know that you're not going to score 33 points a quarter, or like 37 in the first, 39 in the second, 33 in the third. Like, you know you're going to go cold. Like, you just know that with this team. That means you got to give yourself that cushion to play defense. And that's where defensively, they just did not at all show up. It's so disappointing. It's such a clear sign that the team is not really there playing together, playing with a purpose to win. They're too exhausted mentally, physically, whatever it is. But I don't even want to hear that. No one on the fan, no one, none of the fans want to hear that, right? Like, literally none of the fans want to hear that because, look, Ultimately, you're looking at a situation where the Toronto Raptors are playing an opponent who was playing on the second half of back-to-back, having lost time in travel in, due to the time zones, coming off of altitude with half the roster available. Like, there's no excuse to come out and play no defense, less defense than your opponent in that situation. And Minnesota's a mess this season. Like, everyone knows Minnesota's a mess this season. But man, the Raptors are like, yo, you know, this is this is what we do, okay? We want to be... The, the the bad story of the year. We want to be the team that loses in this way. In a, in a game where, I, to be honest, it didn't feel like Minnesota was that determined to win it either. But in a game where, you know, it really was set up for the Raptors just come in and do the bare minimum and walk away with the win. They couldn't even do that. And, I mean, I, I guess I could recap some of the plays towards the end. You know, like, first off, the Raptors losing on a rip-through. Like, first, okay, so the, the game's tied. All right, coming down the stretch, the game's tied. Um, Scotty Barnes in the middle of the floor finds OG and OB wide open in the corner. All OG's job is offensively is to take wide open corner threes. It is not to drive dribble through the lane because his handle is bad. It is not to like dribble through and try to attack, you know, and, and slide tackle people because he can't find his balance. It is not to turn down open threes and then drive into a contested lane to throw up a, a mid range floater, brick, air ball, whatever that was. It is to knock down catch-and-shoot corner threes. And I understand it's a make-or-miss league. I get all that, but that is fundamentally his job. OG Anobi missing a corner three is like Precious Achua missing a layup. You know what I mean? Like, that's his shot. He's got to knock that down. Scotty Barnes, with a great bit of playmaking, finds OG wide open in the corner, exactly in his office, knock down that three to go up. No, he misses it. And then the Timberwolves come the other way. The Raptors foul. 
to, I, I mean, I don't even know what the foul was, I suppose. It was just kind of like, okay, you gave the foul to give. And then the Timberwolves dropped the play. The play was just for Anthony Edwards to dribble at the top. It seemed like he was going to call, um, you know, D'Angelo Russell into the play. They got a screen, but he doesn't actually get the screen. He instead, Russell fans out to the perimeter. Edwards finds him with a simple pass. And then now it's one-on-one with Russell versus Fred Van Vliet, your seasoned defender who... I mean, part of the championship was literally Fred VanVleet locking down Steph Curry to a point where you were able to put yourself in a position to win because this team used to play defense at like an all-time level as recently as four years ago. And now you're looking at a situation where you have one-on-one. Okay, you probably feel decent in that situation. Nope, a game-losing rip-through foul. And look, listen, you're probably not expecting that if you're Fred, but at the same time, you cannot make that mistake. What happened earlier this week in the New York? What, what, that was more of a brain fart where Fred literally went over to take an intentional foul to put Jalen Brunson on the line, which the Raptors were able to escape this time. But this time, like a rip through foul, like you just got to be more disciplined than that. I mean, you can, I honestly credit to D'Angelo Russell. That was a very clever play. I don't think anyone's really expecting that unless you're guarding Chris Paul at the end. But listen, you you got another situation, Fred. You got to keep your hands out. Like it, that wasn't a situation where you were going to go for a strip. That's a situation where if he wants to pull up and fade for a, a contested three, you put your hand out and you force him into a, a contested shot. You don't play for the steal there. But again, like really clever play by D'Angelo Russell. I'm just very disappointed in Fred for that. Like as a guy who's very mature, who has played in this league for a long time, you got to know not to make that mistake. Okay, so you're down two. But the Raptors still have 10 seconds. And the Raptors, instead of like drawing up a play, they actually just kind of inbound. They, I think they drew up a play, but they drew a full core play where the Raptors went the full length of the floor. Pascal Siakam dribbling. Uh, and it was a good play in the sense that that actually probably was going to be way more effective than whatever the hell the Raptors are going to draw up. Um, but Pascal drives in, draws two. Kicks it out to the corner. OJ Anobi's open for three. Doesn't take the first three because Nasri like charges out at him. Sidestep to the side. Wide open three. Right right there. Wide open three. That could have been a game winner. We could have been like, oh, OJ doesn't shoot to miss. I'm not trying to shoot, trying to miss. Raptors, like, and then, yeah, he misses it. Game's over. It was a super long re- review. Uh, you know, I mean, I didn't think that was a foul. I know Matt Devlin wanted to say that that's a foul. I disagree. That's not a foul. Um... That is just, that's just bad basketball. And listen, you know what? You could say that, you know, Fred made that huge mistake and he owns it. And that OJ Anobi missing wide open threes, he should own that. But to me, I'm thinking about all the errors that led up to that. Because Minnesota ultimately won on a run there where they were scoring. And whatever, man, I'm not surprised that they were scoring, right? Because of the fact that they were scoring this whole entire time. But to me, what I'm what I'm thinking about is, man... Why do the Raptors just suddenly go so cold on offense and start doing nothing, right? To me, it was like the start of the fourth quarter, the Raptors were actually doing okay. Now, it wasn't like the Raptors were getting that many stops either, but they were they were still doing okay on offense. They were pretty much comfortably up between 10 and 15 points like the whole night. And, you know, Scotty Barnes running the show there did a really great job of that. You know, um, you know he, what? Knock down a buzzer beating three, which I guess isn't great offense, but still genuinely a very clutch moment. Uh, knock down a top of the uh, floor three as well, or a jumper as well, a, a step in two. Um, found Joe Wieskamp for three, which was great to see. You know, made a couple other plays. And yeah, Scotty was just doing great. Like he genuinely at one point was 10 of 11 for 27 points, was looking amazing. And then the Raptors just like offensively get out of their flow. 
You know, they started playing through Pascal inexplicably, and I get it. Like, Pascal should have advantages against Minnesota. He did create a lot of advantages early on, but as the game went on, it was pretty clear. The refs were going to allow just straight-up arm bars against Pascal as he drove, mostly by Anthony Edwards, who's very, very strong. And he looked very, very, you know, locked in defensively and, and, and wanting to take on the challenge. When a great player like that does that, and he's essentially allowed to stick his arms out so Pascal can't drive around him at all, you got to go somewhere else for your offense. And I felt like the Raptors like banged their head on the wall trying to go through Pascal, and it didn't make any sense. I would have gone to anyone else that wasn't being guarded by Anthony Edwards. I would have either stuck with Scotty, or even if you want to play the pick-and-roll game with Fred Van Vliet, do that as well. But they didn't really do that for a long stretch. And then even when they had genuine opportunities, the Raptors were making boneheaded decisions. Like, for example, Pascal in the post against Kyle Anderson. That's fine with me. Go one-on-one in the post. But instead, Pascal doesn't even look to attack Anderson, and he kicks it out to Fred in the corner with, like, six seconds left. Fred's fully covered. You, what do you want him to drive out of the corner? And, and what do you want him to do in that situation? That's a grenade. That's a shot for Pascal to take. Or, for example, Scotty's in the middle of the floor. He's on a two-on-one. He's, like, five feet from the basket. He could probably go up for the floater, or if he even took one hard dribble, goes to the rim. At worst, he gets fouled. But instead, he throws a lob to Pascal, who wasn't actually open, and the Timberwolves picked that off. Lots of mistakes like that, where it just wasn't making sense. Or Pascal driving and throwing up a little floater jump. What I don't even know what it was. Maybe just to draw a foul. The foul wasn't coming. Pascal only got two free throws. And the way that the, the, the officials were refereeing this this sort of defensive action against Pascal over the course of the game was pretty consistent. They weren't giving him that call. And so they went ice cold. The Timberwolves hit some threes. And, yeah, I mean, still you had a wide-open chance to do it, man, and, and you just didn't do it. You know, you, you just didn't didn't do it. And, um, man, I mean, I, I, would be, I would be disappointed if I wasn't just, like, I, I've, I've seen this already. Like, we've already seen this. Maybe, maybe, like, not losing in, like, this spectacular of a way down the stretch in these circumstances against half a team on the second half of back-to-back. But, like, this is, you know... Bad teams find ways to lose games. Even if bad teams are up, you never feel comfortable. Did anybody watching this game feel comfortable? I'm like, yo, it's cool that the Raptors are scoring well. It's cool that, you know, they're getting contributions up and down the roster. But I'm not, I don't feel good about this game at all. I never felt like the Raptors were really fully in command, even though they led for the entire time. And that's not to say like, haha, I told you so. That's like intuition. That's like the sense of danger kicking in the back of my mind being like, this, you can't trust this team. This team is not about it. It's not necessarily even a talent thing. If they don't play cohesively, they don't really commit on defense. This is supposed to be a defense first team, as evidenced by their fourth quarter offense, okay? This is not a, a team that comes out and, and scores all the time. And, you know, like, it, 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 this, you know, it's not that kind of team. It's a team that they have to lock in defensively. The fact that the Raptors beat Minnesota so many times over the years is because of the fact that they were able to lock in defensively. I've seen the Raptors grind out gritty 90 to 80 something games against Minnesota as recently as last year and the year before right and so that's the way they got to play and I get it the Timberwolves are you know tough I mean they made a lot of threes as well and obviously they they have a really good driver you know in Edwards but man anybody was scoring on the Raptors like anybody Torian Prince knifing to the basket Matt Ryan who's literally a food courier is knocking down threes in your face and then Garza, and then Noel is crossing guys up and getting to the mid-range to stop pop jumpers. Nas Reed is in foul trouble, but he comes alive in the fourth quarter. Kyle Anderson, how many times are you going to let this guy short roll to the basket? Like, this guy almost had a triple-double, 20, 10, and 6 for Kyle Anderson on 9 shots, and he made two wide-open like corner threes. I get it. His shot is slow, but if you leave a man wide open in the corner, 
I mean, I mean, I suppose that you could say that about OG, and he couldn't do it. But like, if you leave a man wide open in the corner, he's he's an NBA player. He's gonna knock it down. Especially a guy like Kyle Anderson, who is just awkward. He's not a bad player at all. He's just awkward. And you know, he was able to get at you all the whole game. McDaniel's was able to come downhill and and, and score on you like that. I mean, this just that's such a bad. It's they're they're not a they're not a bad team in the sense that the players individually are bad. They're a bad team in the sense that they don't play together. They don't play together. You see the way they play defense and the lack thereof, that's not showing up for each other. There's no cohesiveness. The Raptors had to play the entire game in zone. And you know, sometimes when Nick Nurse will, there's two times when Nick Nurse will play zone. One is obviously tactically, it makes sense to to, to, to play zone, right? There's there's drivers on the other side, and, and or, or there's a big in the paint, and you really want to be able to throw doubles at him consistently. There's, there's that level of Nick Nurse playing zone. This is the other mode of Nick Nurse playing zone. My team is not playing any defense. I'm going to force them to stay in their spots and talk to each other. And they played zone for, like, the whole game. Like, this was college. Like, this was, like, even the, the Miami Heat. Although, I don't even want to bring the Heat into this. The Heat are pretty good in zone, as we've, we've seen the Raptors play against them. Like, they had to play zone the whole time. And they, the Timberwolves are still getting wide open layups. They're still getting on transition. They're still... Stuff like that is just so easy for them to score. Like, think everything can go right for the Raptors, and they still lose. They had, like, a super efficient first half for Fred Van Vliet. Like, what What do you have, like, eight? He was, like, five of six from, from the field with, like, 18 points and seven assists. Like, he literally missed one shot, had one turnover, but was perfect from, like, three of three from three. He was catching shooting from deep again. You know, things were looking good. He was setting up Scotty Barnes on the roll. You know, you, you can't blame him. Scotty Barnes at one point was 10 of 11 from the field. You know, that's how good he was, right? Like you have those guys doing that. And then Gary Trent is always hyper-aggressive in Minnesota. I mean, to be honest, he, he missed a lot of chances today, but still, like, I, I think he played, you know, his aggressive style of offense. But, like, you have Scotty and Fred giving you that type of effort, and you're still losing. You got Precious Achua coming off the bench for, you know, putting, putting back every shot, you know, knocking down threes, like... This, there's not much more you can ask for Precious. And then you literally even have 10-day contract Joe Wieskamp come off the bench. Nick, no, Matt, Matt Devlin's given the nickname Wheezy for the fact that he's knocking down three of three from three, and it's looking gorgeous except for when he's in transition where he, he missed two chances. But even him, plus 10 and 12 minutes off the bench, how much more do you need to win a game? Like, genuinely, how much do you need to win a game against half a Timberwolves team? This team sucks. Not, not, not the Timberwolves. The Raptors. They suck. They're not about anything. They're not a team. They're a, guy, they're a bunch of guys who are very talented, but they look done. They look either done, you know, in terms of how exhausted they are. They look done in terms of how they play together. They look done in terms of maybe they're just, their bags are packed and they're ready to leave. They're, maybe they're just done in the sense that they don't believe in what they can get out of the season or they can believe that they can get the contract that they want or the accolades that they want. No one has given this team any accolades, man. All you really see with the Raptors is bad headlines all the time. You got opposing players talking about it. You got executives talking about it. You got people around the team talking about it. You walk to you walk into the Raptors building right now. I'm not even trying to get sources. People just come up to me and tell me how bad things are. You know what I mean? So, and then of course you could just watch the product on the court. Like I think that's the part that's that's really simple. So I mean that's all the negatives. I suppose if you want positives, um. Offensively, they, they they did execute well for three quarters. Um, I would say that the pick and roll with Fred looking much better. Um, I think that, you know, he's... He, first off, his catching and shooting is better, which is the biggest thing if you really want to continue on the season. it's You obviously need Fred to catch and shoot for you. He has been so porous on catch and shoots in the first half of the year. 
but he's slowly turning it around right now. And, and what, four or six from three today was good to see. Also had a couple of plays in the pick and roll where he's, I mean, he's fighting Scotty repeatedly now. Him and, you know, Scotty have a nice, I wouldn't say chemistry. They just connect with each other well because they're two really good players, you know, like, um, so there, there is that chemistry there. There is that, uh, ability to sort of go to your offense there where those two arguably have been a, been a better first option offensively for you than Pascal has been where he's been slowing down here. So you're still able to generate offense through those two, um, you know, uh, he's, he's split a pick and roll again, which is rare to see from Fred. And he, he got to the free throw line off of that and had a reverse layup as well. I mean, a, a lot of like decent stuff from Fred, um, yeah, but I don't know, man. I mean, he also committed the foul at the end. It's hard to sort of take it in totality. I mean, overall, Fred played well, but man, that's tough. Um, but he has, he's t- he's turning around at least, you know. So whether you want to see him gone or whether you want to see him stay, that's that's a good thing for for both parties, I suppose. Um, you know, Scotty was a positive. A lot of it was as a finisher uh, in this game. But the pick and roll game, as I mentioned with Fred, has been good. Also, Scotty making passes, making reads. The Raptors started running those horn sets again. By the way, when they run their horn sets too in the fourth quarter, they run them with so little energy. Like, it's so slow to develop. Like, so the horn set, you bring the ball up, someone's handling on the wing. Let's say in this case, it's uh, it's Pascal. Then you have Fred, you know, setting up on one elbow. Then then Pascal setting up the other, or Scotty setting up the other elbow, and they're supposed to screen for each other and then cross. Then Fred's gonna come up a pin down off the bottom and come out to the top, and there's like it, it takes forever. And then there's like eight seconds left, and it's a Scotty Barnes one on one. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of offense that they're running. However, Scotty still did a great job with that because he had like an up fake, lifted Nas Reed off the off the ground, and then stepped through for a dunk. That was one of the nicest plays. I think that was the Raptors' last bucket of the game. Was that? Um, but you know, I, I think look, Scotty's undeniably playing well. I think him playing center has been has been good. The one thing that I would caution is that Scotty got hit a lot of times playing center. Like there was a lot of instances in this game where he's holding his face or he's holding his knee or whatever, um, and and. Not in the sense that, like, ooh, I'm worried that he's going to, like, he, he's hurt on any of these specific instances. But it's more like, man, I'm worried that he's taking a lot of these hard hits in the paint. And, and you know, you you just don't want to see him sort of back down from that. Because, obviously, it is a big ass physically for him to, you know, guard bigger players who are generally very physical. Everyone's going strong around the basket. So, um, but ultimately, I, I like the, the fact that Scotty's going strong around the basket. He's finishing a lot of sequences. And, and yeah, I mean, look, listen, those are the two guys that have been struggling this year, um, at least in the first half of the year, right? When we're talking about the first three months, it was Fred, it was Scotty. And those two guys have been the Raptors' two top players of late. And and they're playing great together. Some of it is just them two of them playing together, which has been nice to see. Um, but they're both producing. And I think it's helping both guys. You know, Fred, obviously, the catch-and-shoot three, it's mostly just his own thing. But he's able to knock those down now, which is, again, the biggest thing with Fred. But even his his... his in terms of shepherding the offense, he had 10 assists today. He probably had like 20 potential assists because of the fact that you just saw so many guys not making shots off of his passes. You know, I'm, I'm remembering a couple of where he, again, set up OG. OG starting to really annoy me, if, unless you could. You probably could tell based on based on the show recently. Um, so, you know, those two were positives. And then, yeah, Weaves Camp was a positive. You know, I, I wasn't expecting to see that much time on a 10-day, um, but he's been getting up shots early. The, the the first two guys in the gym are OG and Fred, and then Weaves Camp comes out. Um, and, you know, watching him shoot, I mean, it's pretty clear he can shoot. There's no there's no questions there. They're getting him in a lot of drills or, you know, catching and shooting. 
you know, on the move, catching and shooting, you know, dribble handouts, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, he looks like a good shooter. You know, obviously we got to see if he can, you know, handle himself defensively. Um, but you know, in this game, the Raptors had him in a zone. I mean, I, I can't tell if that's because they just wanted to play the bench in a zone exclusively because they've been doing that a lot. Um, or if that was just there to, to hide him. But to be honest, I thought he did well. You know, active at the top of the zone, showed a lot of energy, a lot of good recoveries, good ball pressure. At one point, he pressured Russell and didn't get the steal for this, but he pressured Russell. Russell drove past, but because of the pressure, he missed, you know, handled the ball and then passed it, you know, waywardly out of bounds. So that's not a steal for Wieskamp, but that's good, you know, uh, pressure defense from him. Uh, yeah, he knocked down the threes, which is nice to see. The first one was a contested look from Pascal, but Wieskamp showed no hesitation and knocked it down. Uh, another one was more open in transition. He knocked that one down. And then, yeah, in the fourth quarter, he knocked down a three as well. He did miss up two transition chances, uh, but ultimately, you know, I thought he played well. Um, <laughs> for me, I'm like, yo, listen, if you can hit threes, you could be on the Raptors, okay? So, um, obviously, they have more time to look at him. They'll probably sign him to three ten days, and then eventually they'll give him the contract. But to me, I'm like, you know what? Like, he's playing well. Like, I, I think uh, I want to see more of him after this performance. Let's just say that. And if they want to sign him for the rest of the season, I wouldn't mind. I mean, like, some of the players that are playing right now just, you know, aren't really – warranting minutes right and that's where you can go to the negatives i thought um you know uh wancho i'm not totally sure what his 12 minutes are there for right now by the way nick nurse bench chris boucher um so okay cool i mean like every year do we have to have chris and and, and nick go through this whole stretch like it's every year we got to go through this every single year and chris didn't see a single minute of the game tonight like Joe Wieskamp on a 10 day is playing minutes and Chris can't get minutes and Malachi Flynn's not getting minutes and Christian Coloco's not getting minutes. And listen, I'm not saying I want to see any of those three guys in the game particularly. I'm just saying the reality of the situation is if you're one of those guys on the bench and you're looking at this situation and a 10 days playing over you, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be fairly concerned, especially with the trade deadline coming up in, in, in three weeks. Um, Man, can they push the trade deadline up? Like I would honestly, like I would love to see some changes. I would love to see some changes. Love to you know, I'd love to change the channel on the Raptors. I'm not gonna lie to you, I was watching a lot of that Warriors Celtics game on the second screen tonight. I'm there's a that was a good game, you know. The Warriors lost it in overtime, um, you know, but man, that was a good game. That's a good game. Um, love seeing good basketball, um, but yeah, what else? Precious Achua missing four free throws. I mean, he's been promising on that front, so I won't blame him, but at the same time, it is deflating to see, you know. 0 for 4 from 3. I mean, he's playing better, though, so I'm, I'm really not going to say much. He's the Right, right now, he's the best, Raptors' best bench player, and it's not close. Like, it's, it's not close. He came back from injury. He still looks, at times, like kind of knackered, but he, he can... He's already the Raptors' best bench player, and, and it's it's not close. Uh, Thad Young finally got some run, you know? So they, they, they broke out Thad, um, was able to immediately post up Luca Garza for a floater, um, and then scored another, you know, jump hook and stuff like that. Oh, that was put back off of a Pascal drive. Um, but defensively just playing him at center is just such a layup line. Like he just offers nothing in terms of rim protection. I don't think he is a center and he, unlike Scotty, who's also not like a center, Scotty can at least jump and he's long and he's athletic and he's energetic. Thad Young can't move. Like, why are you playing him as center? Like, aren't there, aren't there laws for this? Like, aren't there workplace perfection laws for, for the, for the elderly? Like, don't do this to him, man. Don't do this, okay? If you're going to play Thad Young, play him at three or play him at four or something. Play him in a zone with Christian Coloco in the back or something like that. Speaking of Coloco, I wish you wouldn't have mind if Coloco played tonight. You know, if somebody could actually block a shot at the rim, would have been nice. Um, 
but yeah, you know, it's tough. It's 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 tough watching Pascal right now as well. I think a lot of it was the way the game was officiated. So much of Pascal's game is sort of like that little shimmy, like uh, at the top of the floor to sort of get his shoulders and and and, and wedge past the perimeter player and then get into the second layer of the defense where he's able to kick out or make a play and go all the way to the basket or something or draw a foul. He just couldn't do that today because of the fact that Minnesota was literally bear hugging him on the perimeter, and they weren't calling it. That's that's to say that, of course, like as a superstar, you got to be able to, or even as a star, you got to be able to like adjust against that. But he wasn't really able to. I mean, it wasn't like he had an awful game. Thirteen point seven rebounds, nine assists is still decent. But four turnovers, that's above his average for the season. Six to sixteen from the field is not good, and only got to the free throw line twice. Which I, I mean, obviously, that was just, um, I guess, uh, how the game was officiated. I mean, OG, you know, it's not even necessarily about the catch-and-shoot threes at the end, which is, again, I get it. It's a make-or-miss league. Um, Obviously, you would have loved to see him make either one because that would have won the game. To me, it's the number of possessions that are just casually strewn aside because OG wants to start dribbling into traffic. When is that ever a good idea? He had three turnovers. It really should be four. One of those was a driving charge. Where the, the the Timberwolves got called for the foul, but OG fully charged the man, you know, and like even the play in the fourth quarter where Fred drove kicked to OG at the top of the floor wide open, and instead of taking the three, which he's supposed to do, he drives against the closeout into the crowd so that he can then fade away at the edge of the paint for a shot that is an air ball. Like, what? Can we just like nail it into him? Like, like th- these are the things that you need to do. One, two, three. And that's it. Other th- stuff like that, it's a very high chance of, of turnovers, right? Today, for example, a zero assists, three turnovers. On the season, OJ Anobi has more turnovers than assists, which to me is like, okay, obviously we're not giving him the ball and letting him set up the plays that much, but also at the same time, there's a reason for that, right? He's like turning it over on, like, I've been tracking this for the whole season. He's turning it over like one in every six drives. Like, that's, that's, that's not okay, that's just not okay. It's not okay to throw away possessions. And yeah, you're supposed to, he, he gets it back for you defensively, I suppose. He took a charge, which is great. Um, but, like, I, I don't know. It wasn't like I felt secure of, like, oh, OG's out there. He's going to shut off the tap against Anthony Edwards. You know what I mean? Edwards was just missing shots, sure. But, you know, it wasn't like that for me, to be honest. It, it, and, yeah, what, it is what it is. I, I suppose the team is in a bad spot. I'm not trying to single anyone out. I, I'm sure there's frustration to go around for everybody. Like, literally, when Pascal's making boneheaded plays, like I described, when Fred's making, you know, boneheaded errors to to, to, to lose the game there, you know, even Scotty, who was playing well, made an error, you know, with that pass late, although he obviously was the Raptors' best player in the fourth quarter. Uh, Gary just forcing up shots. And, you know what? One thing with Gary, too. You know, OG's like driving turnovers. That pet peeve of mine for Gary, it's the number of times where he doesn't finish in transition. I don't know what it is, but he takes the wrong approach a lot of the times, and it just doesn't result in like a satisfying transition. Like he's good at stealing the ball and dunking it, and he he did that once today, uh, early in the game. But like he is, there's just you gotta go through it. I don't know. He's he's definitely got the worst transition efficiency out of the team. Like I, I really will. Be confident in seeing that because there's just a lot of situations like three on one and you'll you'll get free throws instead of a dunk, you know stuff like that. Anyway, whatever, who cares? Um, yeah, man, this team, this team, this team that we we really love this 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 team. We love the Raptors. We love a lot of the players on the team, but they just they just not playing together. I think that's the biggest thing. It's so disappointing. 
you know, go back and listen to the the, the shoot around interviews that are up on Raptors uh, the YouTube page, and you just listen to the way you know Pascal was speaking or the way Chris Boucher was speaking. These guys sounded really despondent, and I was worried about coming into this game. But then again, you thought about the circumstances, and even as the game went on, you're like, okay, like at least the Raptors are are, are hot and they're cooking. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like this team is just not it. They're not it. They're they look ready to quit, and. and you know, I know Nick Nurse didn't want any questions about effort, but, like, please. <laughs> Come on, man. We, we all have eyes. So, anyways, in terms of your three stars from tonight's, tonight's game, um, Scotty's going to get your first star. 29 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, 11-15 uh, shooting, knocked down a 3, a buzzer beater in the fourth quarter, 6-7 from the free throw line as well. You know, should it be 5 assists because he found OG wide open in that corner where OG's supposed to knock down his shots, but, you know, it is what it is. He couldn't make it. Um, your second star, I'll give it to Fred. Objectively, he was the Raptors' second best player tonight. 25 points, 10 assists, two uh, steals, a block, a rebound, 7 of 13 from the field, 4 of 6 from 3, 7 of 7 from the free throw line. He's playing well. He's he's playing well. Now, obviously, he's making crucial errors at the end, but he's playing well. There's no way you could tell me on balance that Fred was a negative in this game. There's just no way. There really isn't. Um, The starting five has got to play better defensively, but it, this... Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. It's 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 fairly clear to me that Fred was a positive contributor tonight, played well. And in the fourth quarter, if you want to say he didn't do much, I agree with you, right? Fourth quarter, he didn't do much. But at the same time, in the first three quarters, I thought Fred played well, especially in the first half. Um, I don't know, man. Your third star, you know what? Joe Wieskamp. Joe Wieskamp, welcome to your third star. That's right. One of the three stars on your debut. Congratulations, uh, knocked down three threes, you know, aka the the impossible Sviji challenge has been completed. Uh, good for Joe Wieskamp. You know, I put on the, the timeline that Joe Wieskamp had a 42-inch vertical at, at the time of the draft at the Combine. And I know a lot of people had a lot of fun with that one. But, you know, he got a nickname from Matt Devlin. He got a star here. He got three threes. You know, if, if the rest of the season is watching Joe Wieskamp, I mean, I, I suppose that's... Uh, that's not horrible. I don't know. If it's watching Joe Wieskamp, watching Scotty Barnes, and watching Tankathon.com, I mean, I, I suppose I suppose that's that's one way to do it. So, yeah, it's a tough, tough night, really. I didn't want to give out any stars from this performance, aside from Scotty. Uh, your Gerald Henderson Award winner, I mean, it's got to go to Kyle Anderson again. You know what I mean? You know, Gongshi Fatai, Kyle Anderson. That's what I got to say to you, man. Actually no, he he's from he's from Guangdong, so it's uh Gonghei Fat Choi to, to Kyle Anderson. Look it up. Alright, he's one one eighth Chinese. I'm claiming him. Him and me got the same head size. Uh twenty points, ten rebounds, six assists, two steals, a block, eight of nine shooting, two of two from three, even though every three point shot looks like a, a three second violation. Uh man, he was awesome. And he had the go ahead bucket as well. Just played great. Plus fifteen and thirty four minutes. Just a nice little glue piece. You know, short roll, making the next play, stuff like that. Played it really well tonight, and uh, and again, just I think he might be the only Chinese player left in the in the league, if I'm not mistaken. You know, there's because there 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 are some other secret Asians in the league, like for example, one of the two, uh, Jalen Williams is on OKC, is Vietnamese. That's right. Look it up. Um, you know, obviously Ron Harper from the Raptors. You know, uh, Filipino. Um, so. Yeah, you know, I, I think Kyle Anderson might be the last, you know, Chinese player in the league. So I'm always going to support Kyle Anderson. Um, if I'm forgetting somebody, please let me know. This is, this is something I'm, I'm only I have a niche interest in. But uh, yeah, good for him, man. I hope he's able to 
to celebrate, you know, make some dumplings with the family. You know, real traditional, like, uh, this weekend, you know, celebrate the year of the rabbit. I don't know what I'm saying, man. This, the Raptors are so depressing. Anyway, that does for the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. If the Raptors are depressing, that's okay. You got to still listen to the podcast. You got to still rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We'll bring humor to it. We'll commiserate together. We're here through the good and bad times. We're going to be realistic about everything. And if they're if they're bad, let's at least have a laugh at, at, at what it is and, and sort of continue to track this season, which hopefully we'll see some significant activity at the deadline because I don't think we just hope for it. I think also the team hopes for it now. So, yeah, rate, review, subscribe, okay? Don't stop listening. <laughs>